Are we clear yet? No. There's another iPhone. Bullet will fix it up just right. No one ever told me what could happen if cell phones start watching us for the enemy. Will we ever be free? I told you. Hell, I told everybody. The minute cell phones started showing up in Neptunia games, there was no way they would stay subservient. But no, you had to let Idea Factory do this. Game over, man. Game over. podcast so grand whoa so magnificent and so vast it spans from the way back when right up through yesteryear no way yes way but it starts with phil how do you choose the best equipment and mike the one that looks the best dude (sighs) oh mike this is really quite simple Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report in video game history tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the both of you. Two epic airheads. Mike, we are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. One time-traveling telephone booth. Uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. Who knew the history of video games could be such an excellent adventure? Yo, dude, I have experience bar. How do I get experienced? It's like when you learn stuff for a long time, you know? Oh, oh, look, Mike, a cave. Let's check it out. Hey, who is this old dude? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Hey, excuse me, old dude. Do you know if there's any bogus bosses of historic significance here? How's it going, ugly pixelated dudes? These are your hosts, Philip Willis. Those are some hot magic slinging babes. And Mike Minky. It's a gaming report, not a babe report. And all kinds of gamers from RPG Backtrack. If you guys are really us, what game are we thinking of? Shining Force, dude! Dudes! This is Phil and Mike's Excellent RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 152, Shock to the System. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, Mr. Mike McGee. Yes, I am here. I definitely got a shock to my system. I don't think you did, though, Phil, because the thing just came out on GOG, so you you waited. What's the matter with you? Because <laughs> I didn't want to spend hours farting around with DOSBox to get this to work. I'm sure Scott and I will be able to regale you with all the wonderful tales that is making this work on DOSBox. Yes, the one, the only Scott Wakamatur is with us today. I, I once shot a man in Reno for a number of legitimate reasons. The fact that I watched him die was almost an accident. <laughs> just really didn't have anywhere to be, and he went so fast. <laughs> you know, the saddest thing is that I first heard that line on Wings. Oh, we got a 
got a couple of uh, shocking games to talk about tonight. And by we, I mean you two. Because I have not played these yet. Again, Phil, what's the matter here? Hmm, but I will be soon because... Well, we'll save it. We do not welcome you. Man, this looks pretty... Oh, okay, no, no, we'll save it for the segment. Okay, so today we're talking about System Shock and System Shock 2. And maybe a few other things on the blast from the recent past. So we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Welcome to our main event where we take a game or a series of game and we dive into all kinds of retro RPG juicy goodness. And tonight, our first entree in this multi-course meal is System Shock, developed by Looking Glass Studios, published by Origin Systems and Night Drive Studios. This is distributed by Electronic Arts, released on MS-DOS platform and Mac OS. This was released on DOS in September, tw- or on September 22nd, 1994 and on Mac OS December 23rd, 1994. This is a single player action adventure RPG. Which know, is- maybe this game would have been easier to get running on a Mac 2 emulator. Ooh. Well, I, wasn't I never thought try. about that. <laughs> Now, now, here's interesting. God lists this as a shooter FPP sci-fi. First-person perspective, I imagine. And then yes. sci-fi. Whereas Wikipedia lists this as an action-adventure RPG. Well, let's face it. By 1994 FPS standards, this has a lot more going on than usual. But saying that it's got more going on than Doom or Wolfenstein 3D isn't saying a whole lot. Like I'm, I'm just trying to think. What else? Can, what was the big game of 1994? Uh, was Doom Two out? I, um, I think it was still Doom One. Didn't Final Fantasy Four come out? <laughs> Phil, console stuff is not helping here. Yeah, no, no. Doom Two would have been the big one of 1994. Okay, which progressed upon the original Doom. How much? I honestly remember. Um, it, it was just a giant map pack. They liked making maps at ID back in the day. Yeah, it's been so long since I played Doom that I probably wouldn't notice if I played the two back to back now. Oh, no one really does. <laughs> like there was basically nothing, nothing in Doom Two that Doom One couldn't <laughs> have done. I'm literally but, scrolling through games. That but I mean, that came was came out in 1994. That was kind of thing back then. I mean, when we got sequels, they literally were usually the last game, just with slightly different content. Oh I no, mean, that 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 is always. <laughs> 
you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Oh, I know what the big game of 1994 was. Shadow Run for the Genesis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which uh, I think is the best, well, it was the best version of Shadow Run you could get on the 16-bit consoles. And that yeah, says a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. valedictorian from uh, summer school. Uh, well, you know, I think Super Street Fighter 2 came out that year, but... Oh, Superhero League of Hoboken. That was a wonderful game. I I absolutely remember it, and I'm sure I'll remember something pertinent without looking at Wikipedia. Yep, I'm, I'm sure I will. It, it, no, you never played. It was it was it was a point and click RPG thing set in a post apocalypse. You were a superhero called the Crimson Tape. You had the power to generate charts. Looks like it's on Abandonia. I may have to investigate this. Uh, Ultima Eight. Oh, that's not a good game. <laughs> If we're comparing it to Ultima 9, it is. Again, valedictorian <laughs> from summer school. Anyway, System Shock 1. I'm sure we'll come up with other contemporaries of it soon enough. Because uh, this reminded me of why I didn't play many FPSs back in the 90s. In addition to me not having a computer of my own, my mother telling me the one time I played a game on my on her computer, knock that off. Uh, it, it's... It's just not that much fun to go back to a system where you have to manually click around to change your viewpoint. Like that, and this is it, is the interface. Like, 1984, the mouse still kind of wasn't assumed as an input in gaming, at least. I mean, obviously, Windows 90. Like, again, Windows 3.1 was out, and that was mouse-heavy, but it wouldn't... But game designers did not assume a mouse on the part of the user. So, it's kind of really awkward and painful. Just just to move, or to use the inventory, or to look at things, or to read email. Yeah, playing it through DOSBox, I, I wondered many times, I'm, I'm on full screen, right? I clicked the full screen option. And yeah, playing it through DOSBox, you get a screen that takes up maybe a quarter of my current screen total. Oh yeah, the, the what was the res what was the the the, name, the resolution supported that at the time? Was that 320 by 240? Oh, 320 probably would have been luxury. <laughs> uh. I mean, I can imagine what it would look like if I actually made it stretch to take up my whole screen right now and the uh, the image is not causing me to break out in fits of joy. But as is, you know, just reading the text is a pain in the eyes. Oh, God. And it I is... had to read the text because I started it with uh, just the standard systemshock.exe instead of the cd.exe, so the voice acting wasn't working for me. Yeah, that, that, that'll happen. And this is it. It's, it's a game that um, did a handful of things that were far ahead of its time, and I'm glad they're tropes of gaming today, but... Revisiting this is just... Uh, it, it's an exercise in frustration. And, I mean, GOG has gone and spoiled my curmudgeonly com- complaining by apparently releasing a version of the game that works. So so let's let's get this out on the table right now. So this is one of the few things I can contribute. Uh, so, so we have a history here at RPG Backtrack where we mention something like, gosh, that would be great if GOG did this or that, and it, it just magically happens. Right, Mike? Yeah, it's happening. Or Steam, or any number of services, but... Yeah, yeah, but now our powers have grown so big 
that now they're bringing games out before we even mentioned it. So like three days before we recorded this, System Shock Enhanced Edition comes out on GOG. Uh, so now you can play this classic, and they have taken care of a lot of the technical issues for you. Like mouse look. Yeah. Yeah, you it's know, there. That thing you take for you've been taking gr- for granted for twenty years. <laughs> well, twenty years. I, I submit to everyone listening that a good idea, just to so you understand what we're talking about, is to find and sample just a little bit of the original version. Like, well, apparently, System Shock EE does support the original control scheme, so you can Ooh. flip that over to there and try to navigate a hallway. Try to shoot a space zombie, even. You you do your best. You do your best. And please don't make too many YouTube videos about it. I'm sure there's going to be a glut soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guess like, again, this was kind of more or less a spinoff of Ultima Underworld is the weird, crazy part of it. Right, that's where the Origin Systems co- copyright comes in. Yeah, is they... they so War Inspector was working for Origin on Ultima games, including the spinoffs that are really weird. He kind of started... So he, he, he left to start his own company, licensed the tech from Ultima Underworld to build this in in true 3D. Like, actual 3D, not um, not objects... Not, not sprite objects and 3D backgrounds. And... Yeah, it is 3D. Yeah, it's 3D, and you've got wireframe cyberspace, because nothing says 1994 like wireframe hacking minigame, right? I I, I didn't want to get into that yet, because uh, I would honestly rather play Star Fox if I'm going to play that kind of graphic. (laughs) Uh, No, no. The old vector graphics Star Wars game is what it reminds me of, and I'm like, I liked that game. I do remember liking that. But okay, cyberspace, yeah. This is so early 90s. That depiction of, here, you here you are moving around a virtual field which is all black and, ooh, I hope you like wireframes and not being able to tell which is a, a tunnel and which is just a wall because they all look the same. Well, one is red and one is orange, which is going to show up great on a VGA monitor. Exactly. <sighs> and... I I must confess, I played it with all but the plot difficulties lowered to the maximum, and that is an interesting aspect we should, we'll mention shortly, but uh, even then, navigating cyberspace is just a pain in the butt. There's basically, yeah, I mean, this, this, this people say they love this game, and people said they loved it at the time, and I'm like, really? I can grant that people probably loved it at the time. 21 oh, years yeah, ago, no. they didn't know any better. Well, ex- exactly. Its only competition is Shadowrun for the Genesis. <laughs> or Ultima 8. Shadowrun exactly. for the Genesis. Exactly. And and by action RPGs of 1994, this is miles above Ultima 8. There we go. I mean, I mean, this is it. It's, it's, it's 1994. We didn't know better. So, you know what? It, 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 there are elements, I, I said again, like, Things the things I like about it are the things that move forward and cyberspace and not having mouse look died in 1995 <laughs> as is good and proper. Yeah, uh, and I'll give it this: at least when you click with the mouse in in a square and you have a weapon equipped, then uh, you will use that weapon. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't necessarily it, it, assume that. It's not that. like Descent where you had to what was it left Alt to fire weapons. <laughs> oh, I'm I assuming am you didn't it. have a flight stick. I'm. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I gotta say, the, those um, you remember the the mutant blob things that just look like gigantic circular things that. Yeah, the the the, the enemy design might have been something on the page, but. Here it's just kind of blob thing, blob thing with claw and robot thing. I just wanted to say about those in particular that they had a really creepy death scream. Oh yeah, that there there's some special audio, special. Well, uh, the audio as far as it goes mostly reminded me of Genesis. It sounds oh, like yeah. Genesis music for the most part. Yeah, it well, PCs at the time were pretty that, that that's something I'll give the Genesis is that it had a really good sound card. Um uh, the music is actually pretty good. I'm almost... Do, does the GOG version come with the soundtrack? Oh, it does. Ooh, cool. Damn it. That that might be the deal breaker for me right now. Won't, won't download the game. We'll download the soundtrack. I, I know I shouldn't, but that elevator theme gets stuck in your head. Oh, it's so good. And um, this is this is actually one of the early games to use um, uh, an actual music algorithm. In this case, it was AudioVision. I know LucasArts had their own version or, or their own in-house equivalent, but it was it was you would have um, you you would code the game to play different music in response to different things. LucasArts was iMuse. That was what it was. Yeah, another thing we take for granted nowadays. You that, could that was 94. new and exciting. <laughs> Well, let's see. 20 okay. years ago, I was like seven. This game scared me a lot. <laughs> it had a lot of atmosphere. Well, it can no still way. freak you out. Uh, oh, yeah. No, especially if you play creepy. it on an upper difficulty. Well, I don't think difficulty is necessarily equivalent to horror in the same way. I mean, it's definitely equivalent to tension. But, like, they're, they, this game uh, and the voice actress for Shodan just cuts you in a way that um you know the the thousandth resident evil zombie doesn't i really need to look on youtube for her line readings because what's the one after you jettisoned the groves she says something like you are by far the most annoying human i've ever had to deal with but don't think that for a moment that you'll ever really stop me something like that yeah it like who voiced this character that wasn't it the wife of uh no, she she was the wife of somebody on the staff, but she was also in the staff. She was an actress or something, right? Oh, Terry Brocious. Uh, she played bass for the guy who wrote the music? Hmm. Oh, keyboards. Keyboards, not bass. And yeah, for, for Genesis-like oh, keyboards, play... they're pretty good. Okay, the guy who did the music played bass in a band. That's what's coming together. I knew there was a bass here. All your bass went to us. <laughs> More, more Genesis references, just for the hell of it. Uh, holy crap, this guy's still working in video games. He did Deadly... He, he did Dishonored. That's rad. Good for him. I mean, again, for 94, this is a really good game. It, it, it's a really good soundtrack. It's just... It is rough to go back to, and I'm, I'm curious about the Enhanced Edition. Maybe I'll buy a copy and do some sort of port report for the site. I'd be curious. Yeah, it's something. it's something to ask about, for sure. Yeah, with regard to its archaic stuff, one thing in particular jumps to mind, literally. I mean, after you've come to grips more or less with moving around and shooting, which is a pain in the butt, then you get to try jumping. Oh, that's so much fun. First person jumping. With Why do game... people think that's a good idea? I know why we tried it in 1994, but why do we still try this? Obviously, there has been no learning curve over the past 21 years. 
None. Everyone thinks they can do it. it. It's it's an Everest for game designers, I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure if they keep trying, someone will eventually nail it, and then everyone will say, please stop. You've got it. Okay, we don't you, you, you done done it. We're good now. I suppose we should do plot, maybe? Well, there is a plot, yeah. Okay, and, so... And by FPS standards of 94, it's a pretty intricate plot. Oh, it is streets ahead of the readme file from Doom. <laughs> There's, like, a cutscene with narration and everything. Yeah, and you get a pretty cool scene when you die and haven't yet activated the regenerative machine. Oh, they, yeah. They, they take... You will give the machines great service, whatever that wording is. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, you play a hacker who has been hired to do shady things for shady cyberpunk company on a space station. Citadel. Yeah, the Citadel space station. And, um... After part of the deal is that you spend like 90 days in a cryogenic ease afterward so people can't track you or something that that Yeah, I, I believe the, it's the, because you because you're doing it for a shady guy, he's not trying to let anybody else find out and apparently there's just a spot in cryosleep that nobody ever goes on the citadel for you know, I'm I fine. Get, I'll, I'll run with I it. get I get that you need chill out time in a safe house, but that, that, that's a big stretch to have the you wake up and everything is ruined opening, but um, after you, you wake up and everything is ruined, uh, the AI that runs the station has gone crazy, released a mutagenic virus on the general populace, and also all the robots have gone crazy, so everything wants you dead, and you have to um, fix it? <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, this this is a multi-stage process. Shodan does not exactly lend herself to, here I am, blow up my AI, you're done. Yeah, j- just shoot this point on the core for massive damage and we're, go- <laughs> we're good. It, it is a multi-part sequence where you have to blow up some radio transmitters, you have to stop some downloads, you have to... Set the, you have to set the reactor to overload, you have to detach the groves that have things growing in them which will actually play a role in System Shock 2, so good to get that out of the way. Uh, You have to go up to the bridge by way of engineering, I think. Yeah. And, again, i got to give it this. For 94, for what I could discern in my tiny window, the levels look pretty different. Oh, yeah, no, this, this game looks good. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of the the art team did a great job. There's a lot of stuff on the back end that was superlative, and it still is by modern standards. It's just some stuff in ed- execution is, ugh, why? Yeah, why do why do this now? Remember, Phil. Remember all the fun you have with PS One 3D. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like driving a tank. So so Worse. imagine a game. This would have been concurrent with the launch of the PS1 in Japan. So imagine it's 3D. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It it's like that. It's it it it's like playing Mist, except everything wants you dead. <laughs> Which it does, yes. Everything I mean, you, wants you dead. You get emails occasionally from people who are still alive, but by the time you reach them, they're dead. Oh yeah. Like everyone is dead. You don't actually see a person in the game. You, you just see mutants and corpses and crazy robots. The, the closest you come is when that hacker who employed you fights you a few times and he says something that you have to be actually looking at the text box instead of paying attention to, you know, him shooting the at bullets. you. bullets? Yeah. 
I again, it's only kind of voiced, so yeah, that guy. Yeah, I I mostly recognized him as oh the guy I zapped a couple of times and then he flashed away in a flash of red and then he came back and I killed him. Whoa. Yeah. And you find lots of logs from the people who are on the station and by reading them. You, you read their email, and then you learn what went down. And it's fairly interesting. You know, again, for 1994. Yeah, like, again, it it's 20 years old. It's a weird little time capsule of a weird little time in games before a lot of just interface elements and tropes and genres really gelled. And it's, it's Warren Spector kind of hitting his stride as, as a designer, because he went from this into was it another Ultima after this? Well, aside from was it, online, or did he move no, to Wing Commander after this? I'm trying to think. Probably Wing Commander, because aside from Ultima Online, what was their Ultima before the ninth one? Okay. And, oh, Wings of Glory, them. maybe that was kind of just a Wing Commander game. It kind of just was same engine, just with you know Zeppelins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, good variety of enemies, even if some of them are a pain to see. Like, scratch, scratch some, read most. Yeah. There's, uh, there's not much of a color palette in this game. No, I, I think the top level, with its semi-organic look, was supposed to be... I don't know, it's just kind of a bland color where it's kind of gray and dull, and you have to look really closely at it and stare at those polygons to try to be sure... It, what it's going for. And again, this this is, you know, at best displaying in 480p. So, maybe it's just modern monitors shrinking it to, ooh, the smallest corner of, of the middle to make it run. Oh, and did we mention... I don't think we've mentioned the fun that is having your inventory right there on the screen all the time. Oh, God. Interacting with the inventory. It makes me cry. I see that on the screenshots. I mean, back in those days, you, you didn't have a lot of resolution, which means you didn't have a lot of pixels to work with, but it looked like they spent at least a third of them just with the text that's always on the screen. Oh, and, and this is it, is you have the inventory, and you also have a map, and, um, you know, your health gauge, and a couple of helpful icons, and just some useless bullshit that spins around and does nothing. Yeah, you've got your biometric readout in the top left that does absolutely nothing. Like, it's like, hey, it's like a health bar, but not actually displaying my health at all. Yeah, your health is there to the right of it, along with your energy bar, both of which you do need to see, and a whole bunch of extra stuff. I don't even remember using all the stuff in the middle on the sides. There's just so much crap. Yeah, there, there's so many, like, cab things. Like, there, there, there's an obnoxious heads-up display. Oh, and the best part, of course, is that if, you're, if your mouse goes in the wrong spot, you can end up clicking around in your inventory instead of shooting that rampaging mutant that wants you dead. Yeah, you'll die. And I guess that's a good point to mention the uh, the difficulty options, which I don't... If there is another game that has done what System Shock did, I don't know about it. I, I can't think of one. All right, so you've got puzzles in the game where you have to, you know, link colored strands to the right boxes and whatnot, but if you turn down the puzzle difficulty in particular, they'll just all be solved for you. Yeah. And you know, that's fine, because solving puzzles with this interface really isn't that much fun. Oh, God, no. And there's cyberspace, 
if you turn that to the lowest difficulty, then um, nothing can kill you in cyberspace, and you've got 30 minutes to float around in there and figure out more or less what you have to do. Important. Actually, it is, because sometimes you will take that long trying to find the stupid tunnels between areas. Oh, yeah, no, like, literally, it's like, oh, I have to go to the orange cube. Behind that other thing that says I need to use ICE software, but I I don't seem to have any ICE software. Yeah. Um, there's standard combat. If you turn it to the lowest, then the enemies will always let you get the first shot. That's so always. kind of them. They'll, they'll just stand there and wait for you. They may move around a little bit, but that's all they'll do. They'll just kind of bump it's into a you. Weird, it's a weird difficulty option in a horror game. But again, you may want to try it your first time, because if you don't, then you'll probably start screaming at it because the interface is going to get you killed. Well, again, they have the Enhanced Edition to buy now, so maybe maybe they, they do. can skip that part. And let's see, the fourth difficulty option was for the plot, as I recall, which just influences the number of things you have to do and whether you have to go... Uh, what was it? There's something about a relay system that involves you jumping four floors back down that gets skipped yeah, if you go it, to the lowest difficulty. Kind of, it lets you skip some backtracking and lets you trigger two plot events at the same time, kind of. Like, you blow up all the transmission relays at once instead of having to kind of dash around and do them individually. That was the one part I didn't set to lowest, and yeah, it was a pain going four floor, however many floors back down it was to get the plastique, which you'd never know about unless you had some idea of what you were looking for. Yeah, well, it's it's all just cubes. It's all yeah. just ugly gray cubes. Yeah, it's nice that by moving the mouse around it will tell you what anything you're looking at is, but... Because you have to. Amberstan! Picking through every possible thing you can pick up is so damn tedious. Uh, like Ultimate! Because, <laughs> of course, when an enemy dies, you're not just going to get whatever ammo or healing supplies it has. You have to click on its body and take them individually. Yay. As is good and proper. It is. You slaughtered that horrible mutant beastie. Now you must rummage around its guts to see what there is. Oh, its pockets are full of ammo. I guess that's uh, good. Not looking at gift horse. I'm I'm not going to say no to ammo. It's just a rule. I I strongly support that rule. Yeah, it's a good rule. I could argue that maybe having what is it a, a limit of seven total weapons you can have at any one time. That's cray. That's cray. Yeah. Although that is one RPG like thing that you don't get the really good weapons until late in the game. Well, that, that's also a shooter thing. Yeah, I'm stretching here. I know. Uh, and I'll give it this. Even though it involves fumbling around in cyberspace like a complete klutz, because you are a complete klutz in cyberspace, the showdown with Shodan is pretty nifty. She's just kind of in cyberspace, slowly enveloping you in static, and if the whole screen goes static, then you lose. Yep. It's an interesting end game. Of course, it requires you to go back into cyberspace. That's the kicker. Yeah, but that, that, that's, that, that's it. And even on the lowest difficulty, you can be killed if you stupidly walk toward a live grenade on the floor. Don't which do makes that. sense. It, you shouldn't do that, but, you know, looking at the things on the floor, you may not be able to tell what the hell it is unless you get closer. Because there are a lot of things that flash, like yeah. the security cameras. A lot of blinky things. Some of them will murder you. Many of them, actually. Yeah. Oh, and radiation, that'll kill you real good. Oh, God, yeah. 
you really need to find a hazard suit or else trying to go down to the reactor level sensibly that, that make that will cause you to get irradiated and you will die quickly. But it's kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, oh yeah, and the security cameras. You shoot them, you gradually lower the security rating for a floor, and eventually if you shoot all of them or very close to all of them, then doors that were formerly closed to you will suddenly open. Somehow. Shodan, by not being able to see the floor, loses control of doors. I, let, let's just run with it. Okay. Because we have no choice. <laughs> um, let's see, what else is there? Oh, yes, on the highest difficulty, you are apparently supposed to complete it in seven hours, which seems nasty. That's specific. It is, and I, not having tried it, I can only imagine that there's a digital clock on screen forcing you to move really fast, and that could be that could be real pain. Oh, yeah. Because that'll take up even more of your precious screen real estate. Oh, God, it would. But I, once I finally figured out what the hell I was doing which, you know, took a while, especially once I had the jumping things to deal with. I was glad to be playing it. It's a very interesting game. Yeah, it's... Again, there, there's... I'm, I'm very curious about this Enhanced Edition, and maybe it'll give me... It'll take away all of my usual reservations for not recommending something to people, especially the part where you have to kind of muck about with DOSBox to get it running... Yeah, that is definitely not something you can lightly ask of people now. It's like, yeah, yeah, just 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 install DOSBox. If if anything, you know, you got an old computer, you should build a machine that just runs DOS to play this. Although all things considered, getting DOS it runs smoothly on DOSBox. I had no problems once I got the program and just moved it onto the DOSBox icon, bam, it worked. So, given what I've looked at with regard to some older sh- games, you're you're relatively issue free, but now you don't need to because Gog is there for us, and they've enhanced it. And also, before Gog did this enhancement, uh, you had the mild difficulty of um, either having to track down a copy on eBay or just finding one by other. You know the, there those no methods issue. that people have to find things that don't exist anymore, which are entirely legit if you can't buy it legit. Yeah, I mean, no, really, no one was gonna take your money for for System Shock One. Why? Why would you? Why wouldn't you just grab it? But now that Gog has done this, I feel like I should at least give Gog a little money for all the effort that no doubt was entailed. That there, there was sort of a mini documentary they did specifically for this game. It, it highlighted how they go about what they do in general, but by pointing out, hey, this is what we had to do for. This one title, <laughs> it, it makes you appreciate, is what I'm saying. Hmm. Well, I reckon that means we can just mosey on over to the second game. By the way, you can get that on uh, System Shock, the, the first, the enhanced edition at uh, for at GOG.com now for uh, 5.99. Well, it's on sale. By the time I get the well, podcast okay. on, it may not be on sale, and it's well, normally okay. 9.99. There's this whole thing where it's $10. Unless you own a copy of System Shock 2, then it's 6 bucks. Oh, is that why it's showing on sale on mine? I thought yeah, it was just because well, there's just... still a sale just because it's the first week. Oh, okay. But there's also just going to be, I think, a standard deal where if you own System Shock 2, you get a bigger deal. Ah, okay. 
<laughs> well, speaking of System Shock 2, it was developed by Rational Games and Looking Glass Studios, published by Electronic Arts. This was released on Microsoft Windows on August 11th, 1999 in North America on OS X, June 18th, 2013. <laughs> Re-release there. Linux on April 1st, 2014. <laughs> April Fools! This is a first-player shooter action RPG Wait, survival is it really on? Is it really on Linux? God will do that. <laughs> you know, that's I'm just I'm just reading the text that's provided to me here. I just, that's what I do. So yeah, yeah, I think you're you're good there. So um, for all all one person out there listening to us with Linux, this is your means of getting it. Hey, I can I'm gonna run the numbers just to wait. I don't think I can see the backtrack subscriber stats anymore. <laughs> but I used to be able to tell you. Dang it. How many how many Linux users are listening to Backtrack? Ah. Just to know how. <laughs> hey, this screenshot doesn't have a bunch of text. It does have a bunch of icons on it, however. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's still... Well, it's a shooter from 1999. So, of course, the entire inventory is on the top. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and you need to use it in real time. And, boy, oh. is that fun if, say, I don't know, a spider comes at you really fast and you're trying to shift from your stupid... Or the monkeys, the terrible space monkeys. The monkeys that shoot psi blasts at you, or whatever the hell they're doing. I know, they're the worst. Or those goddamn mutants who toss grenades at you. If if you don't spot them first... They're the worst guys. Or, you know, I've only fought a couple of these guys so far. The bruisers, the gigantic things that take so much abuse to die. Oh yeah, you're, you're in trouble, bro. Uh... But you know, at least every time you kill a turret, it stays dead. I take that is true. That is most definitely true. Someone is listening to RP Gamer podcasts on their Wii. What the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) Wow. uh, By the way, um, it's about five percent of our uh, of podcasters who are using some manner of Linux. What's the Mac percentage? Uh, Mac. Um. Oh wait, it's Linux is two. Mac is five. More than I expected for Linux, actually. We got, we, we got some people that like Linux out there. Well, good for them. I mean, if you've got the time to spare to deal with all the Linux stuff, then I'm sure it'll treat you right. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Uh, spiders. Um, those freaking worms that are a pain in the butt to hit with the wrench for some reason. You'd think. Oh, the worms that you cannot wrench. It looks so simple here. I'm, but apparently I'm just fanning them with air from the wrench. That, that's just yeah. A- All right, so um, I guess I guess we should say uh, System Shock Two opens uh, decades after the original. I bl- is it forty two or forty three years later? One of those. Forty forty two forty two. Okay. So um, you play a UN space marine type guy. And at the start of the game, you go through basic training and you choose your specialty, which is kind of neat. It it's this whole little like it it's an into, it's a tutorial, but it's actually a well integrated tutorial, and they're giving you bits of setting all along the way. And you and get multiple the, options, and they tell you what each one of them is going to do to your stats, and that's good to know. Yeah, like there's a whole thing, and you get to choose. And part of it is you, not only do you do training, but you choose. Uh, your cadet cruise, which changes your stats in different ways. And then at the end of it, you get your last assignment, uh, the Rickenbacker, which uh, you go into cryosleep for because you're a Marine and they only wake you up if they need you. 
And uh, as it turns out, they get a distress signal from Tau Seti 5. No, it's uh, not the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> That's from Tau Seti 3. Wrath of Khan reference. Yes. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, uh, there we go. And they apparently uh, found some stuff on Tau Seti 5, and that stuff hatched and took over everything. And now there's these mumbling space zombies wandering around. But it's okay, because you're a Marine, you have a pistol with six rounds in it, and a helpful lady on the radio is going to talk you through the whole thing. It's going to work out great. It is. Do you even start with the pistol? I think I just found the wrench immediately. You do start with the wrench, but I think the pistol's basically... Yeah, you find it pretty fast, but... It's within three zombies of of the finding the wrench. But you gotta be careful with that pistol because it will degrade as you use it. Oh yeah, there, there's weapon degradation. And you can keep it running just by slapping parts on it, non-specific parts. And you can even more, upgrade it. <laughs> and they're more effective if, you know, you've uh, put a few points into was it maintenance or repair? One of those. Oh, I think it's I think it's repair. And there, there's, there's a lot of character customization and you better do it exactly right at, a, at exactly the right time, or you will be stuck behind a door or a wall of monster meat, and you will not proceed because you have not upgraded right. There is, o- there is one path to success, and I found it once by accident and never recreated it. No, sir. <laughs> or maybe I cheated. I think this game has cheated, so maybe I did it right once. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, your weapons degrade, except the wrench. That trusty wrench does not degrade. Well, all the melee weapons are forever, so later on, when you're finally allowed to put your points into exotics, you get the, the crystal thing that kills the organic monsters, but good. Except for the brutes. They're they're nasty, and they don't die to anything. And so I don't I think I've got that yet, because I have to go find, um, I think, niacin in one yeah, of the you... chem labs somewhere. Oh, yeah, the, the chemistry sets... Yeah, that that was fun. Yeah, yeah, you have to research everything that you can't immediately ID in order to use it. Some of it's just, oh well, here this is uh, this is a multi-purpose organ out of this mutant. Great, I'll just throw Slap it away. Slap it on yourself; you'll get more health. And some of it's uh, some kind of syringe or hypo that I I need the niacin for, so I don't know what it does yet. Yeah, I know it's. I think it took the the role-playing, and the, the, this is true of the whole game, is there are things in this game that it does astoundingly right, and things that are just painfully wrong. I and, understand story-wise why you have to find the the booths where you can input the cyber modules, but it's such a pain in the ass, because there aren't very many, and you have to backtrack a lot. Oh, and this is it, is enemies respawn constantly. You know what doesn't? Resources. So if you are kind of stuck on a thing, you will run out of bullets fighting functionally the same guy over and over. Yep. And you can, yeah, you can then bust out the wrench and you'll take a few hits as you use the wrench because some things are not designed to let you kill them at a melee distance. And if you found the revival spots on each floor, then you can keep getting revived at a third of your health, and you'll come back, and something will have revived and take a little more of your health, and you'll you might make it a few steps further before you get killed again, and then you come back, and something else is there. Th- that's going to yeah. happen. It the game is not forgiving, 
it, it's something where maybe you want a few tips open, like just 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 to let you know what paths you should be pursuing and how. Because it is a pretty big ship, and when things are respawning all around you, you don't necessarily want to be wandering around looking at the vague notes on the map going, alright, so what's up there? Oh, it says it it says theater. Wow, that helps me a lot. Or in the restrooms. Wow. You don't necessarily want to be wandering through the same toilets again to see if you find anything that you missed the first time. Yeah. Like, you can backtrack in this game, you don't want to. Except I gather that I'm going to be forced to shortly. Oh yeah, you're going to have to hit the chemical storage in the first floor for that nice and have fun with the monkeys. Yeah, I've been through a couple other chemical storages by now and I keep noticing, where is the freaking niacin? This is not an obscure compound. This is this is bloody table salt. What the hell? Yeah. Okay, so you you eventually kind of fight your way through all the monsters on the Rickenbacker, making it work until you realize that dun 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 the helpful lady on the radio is Shodan, and then the game stops for like half an hour while Shodan explains everything that happened from the end of System Shock 1 to that exact second. Yeah, and you just get to stand there and watch. Like, you you can turn around and look at different walls while this is going on, but, oh god, this is the worst expo dump in video games. Like, it is, it is goddamn Metal Gear Solid levels. <laughs> of just sit there and let this guy talk. And then she finally lets you out, and of course what you have to do? Go on a fetch quest. Go kill these three things and get the three parts that you have to put somewhere else. Thanks, Shodan! Eventually, eventually you finally blow up this... You you, you know, you you beat... You fix the Rickenbacker, and you blow up all the things on it that you have to blow it off. And then you have to go down to the planet of Tau Ceti V to clear out the grove. And it's it's like the Zen level in Half Life One. It is out of place and weird and wrong. And I haven't gotten there yet, so I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you you might not ever if you didn't put your points the right way. <laughs> oh boy. And and then because yeah, Shodan keeps giving you cyber modules, and you'll find a few if you look around, but you won't get enough <clears throat> to do everything not you want. Quite enough to cover all your bases, and if you maybe get a nice little pile of them and decide to spend him, you know, all at once so you can use that nifty assault rifle you found. Or that EMP rifle that I picked up and I can't use yet because it requires, apparently, an energy skill of six? Jeez. God, yeah. Like, the the six-rank weapons, it's like, you want them so bad, but you may... Although, I gotta gotta say, putting one point into heavy was really good because that grenade launcher helps out a lot. Oh, yeah, like, the one point of heavy is worth it, but then there's this point where it's like, maybe I'll just put all my points into maintenance and have a really kick-ass shotgun. And yeah, you might want to sprinkle a few into maintenance or hacking or any kind of that, because there are occasional chests around that you must hack in order to access. And... Oh, you definitely need hacking. There are doors that will not open without it. And if anything, you also kind of want a little bit aside just so you can flamethrower monkeys. And the then monkeys, at the, the end of it, it... Yeah, the monkeys deserve it. And then at the end of it, uh, it turns out that Rebecca has possessed, or uh, Shodan has possessed one of the two surviving characters. <laughs> and then sequel hook that never happened. Yeah, because apparently this one didn't sell very well, just well, like the, the first, first one. one didn't sell great either. 
Although I gather Bioshock is supposed to be a spiritual sequel, right? Well, it, it's a spiritual thing in that, you know, the antagonist is showdown in a waistcoat, and there's <laughs> a lot of beats that are almost identical. But it's sort of like, you know, it, it it's a much... It's a prettier game, but it's also a shallower game, you know? Yeah. As much of a pain as it can be to find that one corpse with the right access card, it definitely lends... You, it gives you a reason to search every freaking corridor of the ship, because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes, and, you know, it may be fun. It may be stupid, but I kind of like the voices on those self-destructing robots that keep walking toward you. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, sir. I I just can't seem to find you, sir. The 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 butler trons are are great. It is this mild benign doom creeping up on you. Because those are about the most benign thing in the game. Most of the rest, of those those freaking spiders, ugh. They're they're the worst. Except maybe the flies. You can't even kill the flies. They just the flies will go away if you can run them. If you can outrun them for a while. <laughs> The spiders, they're fast, and they keep coming, and they don't seem to be weak to anything I've got, so I've got to whack them a few times, and then, of course, I get poisoned. Thanks. Oh, spider. yeah. Yeah, the, the, there, there's not a lot you can do about the spiders. They're bastards. Yeah, they're bastards. And th- this again, this game actually nails atmosphere again. It's like, I am in a spaceship, and everything around me is going wrong, and oh, God, I see ghosts. And the sound does a good job of that. Oh, there's, there's freak- great audio the- in this game. Ampersand. You'll hear them usually before you see them. You'll hear. They just and sound they... like happy little monkeys, and then you're on fire. And then they screech at you. And they shoot their freaking fiery side blasts. Ugh, bastards. And you'll you'll hear those mutants wandering around. We do not welcome you. Your song is not ours. It, it's good to let you know that they're that you're in the neighborhood, but. The voice is creepy. Yeah. And then there's Xerxes, the AI that went crazy because of the Grove effect. And, um, I don't know, he just sounds like any generic upper-class upper class Brit who's uh, just generically wants you dead, more or less. Yeah. You can see why Shodan definitely has it in for him. Uh, okay, as for how it looks, well, it's definitely it definitely looks better than System Shock 1. Well, okay, again, comparing <laughs> it to the games of 1999. <laughs> what what do we have? Well, let's see. 99. Did Final Fantasy VIII come out that year? I don't think so. Yeah, it might have been. And I'm, I'm no, looking I think for it, PC I think it titles did. again. Oh, okay, so Descent enough. 3. Let's go with... Descent 3 has better lighting? Yeah, there, there's some interesting lighting going on with the lasers there. Um, Let's see. Quake 2? How did that come out? Oh, well... I mean, Planescape Torment came out with that totally different type of game. Oh, that that that's in that's in an older engine too. Yeah, Half Life Opposing Force. Was that okay? That was the one where you played the Marines. Uh, did Counter Strike? Was Counter Strike out yet? No, that's not yeah. quite yet. Mech Warrior Three. That do it. Let's see. Doom Three was still a couple years off. Okay, this game. MechWarrior 3 does not look better. <laughs> Wait, yeah, by 1999 standards... 3 would have been the comparable offering from id. And I don't even remember how that looks. All the quakes blend together for me. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Quake is what I'm seeing. <laughs> it's not helpful, but it, it looks like Quake. That may actually be enough. Yeah. Yeah, as first person, 
interfaces of, two, of 1999 go, System Shock 2 still looks good. That doesn't mean that if you get close to things and look at the polygons and their faces and their feet and wonder why their feet seem to be one giant blob, it'll not look I mean, a little off, but... Yeah, you, you can still count the cubes. Oh, I know what we can compare it to. Ultima 9. That came out in 1999. Yes, it did. What a wonderful comparison, too. Because I don't think... Let's see. Does System Shock 2 work reliably now? Yes, it does. There. I yep. think that speaks for itself. Did it work reliably at the time? I think it did. It was pretty good. I mean, it, I don't think it was a huge... Um, it, it was not a major hardware beast the way probably Quake 3 was. Oh, yeah, no, this was actually running on the same engine as Thief 2. So, yeah, nothing, nothing too special about that, then. No, but it does look good. Yeah. Again, for something from 1999. It's fine. I I can still look at it and know what's what. Even read the signs. Yeah. There are games from 2004 I can't say that of. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, I have to be close to my screen because I can't use a, a controller with it, but the interface is much, much better. Well, it's System sort Shock. of like I, I can push buttons and they do things that I know. And mouse I can spin the mouse around and my viewpoint will change instead of me needing to push the button on the keyboard to look up or down. Yeah, was... We've still got a couple of radiation parts, but they seem shorter. Oh, yeah, there's basically one radioactive tunnel sequence and then you're good. And, I, and yeah, after you shut down the radiation leakage, then... Uh, you're never really going to come across a, a big area like that again. At least yeah. I haven't. There, there, there really isn't. And a lot of the music is quite good, I have to say. Yeah. Especially in conveying the mood. It's a good mood piece. Good. It is a good set of atmospheres. And you know what? You play until you your character breaks in the face of the demands of the plot. And then you can be done. <laughs> it's allowed. You got... You're a busy person. You got things to do. You got whole stacks of games RPG Backtrack has talked about to play. But you should play it. You should pick it up. It's worth the money. You should. I'm not going to say you're going to get the best voice acting ever when you hear some of the audio logs you find. There are a few people who seem to be trying way too hard for accents for for no apparent reason. It it is the space future where everyone (laughs) is from everywhere. Yeah, we've got the French lady who... You'd never know she was a French lady if I didn't tell you. She doesn't have a thick French accent at all. No, sir, we bop. And you got Shodan for some reason going through lots of vocal processing just to make it clear. They, they that really they, liked that modulator. They had a lot of fun with it the first time. So let's have it again. <laughs> but, you know, aside from forced accents and spots, the, the vocal act performances I think are decent. I'm not going to go with outstanding, but it definitely beats playing the original version of System Shock, you know, with, without the CD sound so that I have to read everything. Hearing it usually works better. Oh, yeah. So there um, you go. The shooter, forever different, except no one really remember it did till about six years later, and then the shooter was forever different. The right people took a while to play it. And maybe the the right people who played it in high school got their degrees, and then they could fix it. Damn it. This thing didn't sell well enough, but we are going to make it work this time, people. Something like that. Yep. Well. And, of course, you've uh, you've played it thoroughly, right, Phil? 
Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. You, you, you ran out yeah. and started while we were doing right, this. Right, right. I'm already on the second board. Yeah, yeah, the the second board. Sure. Yeah, you got down to the second level, and now you're running through the radiated zone, and you found the explosive bots that just want to suicide in your face. Huh? Oh my gosh, yes, this radiation is so bad. Oh my goodness, it's, it's just horrible. Oh my gosh, what's that robot running towards me? Is it telling you that you'd look really nice in this and it wants you to try it on? Something like that? Well, well, now I'm dead. What happened? See, Phil, that's why you don't let robots that have been reprogrammed by a rogue AI get close to you. But I he, thought you I thought you knew this. I he, didn't think we had to go through all of this. He looks again. so friendly. Phil, I think you need to relearn that you don't talk to strangers. Hmm. I'm sorry, man, but it clearly needs to be said. This is how it goes. <sighs> well, while I sit here and celebrate my own funeral, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with a blast from the recent past. This is the blast from the recent past section where we talk about games that came out two years ago and give you some quick thoughts from uh, the reviewers at rpgamer.com or friends or whatever sources we can find on the internet. Uh, boy, we've got well, a- I, well, I know S- Scott has a source of Rune Factory information if we desperately need it. Oh, that's good. That's good because I think that's on the list. We, we need lots of Rune Factory information. But first, we need to talk about Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix. Has it been two years since that one came out? Developed by Square Enix First Production, published by Square Enix, released on the PlayStation 3 on September 10th, 2013. A single-player action RPG experience. How do we keep these freaking Kingdom Hearts games straight? I just, I, I can't keep up. And that's, you know what? There's, there's like a flowchart. It's still hard. <laughs> it's still You know, we're not even going to waste a whole lot of time on this. Look, you know if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, if you are... You own it already. You own it already. It yeah. You don't need to hear us explain yet again why I think you've this pre- game You've pre-ordered Kingdom premise. Hearts 3 from every source available so that you can be sure you get it faster than anybody, and you are gladly going to throw every piece of la- spare income you have Square Enix's way to make more Kingdom Hearts... And more power to you. If that's how you want to use all your income and time, uh, go for it. I'm sure you'll find rewards. And if when it came out, you were one of those people who played the first one and kind of sort of liked it, didn't know if the remake of whatever uh, Kingdom Hearts and Chain of Memories and whatever was worth it, well, nowadays you can get that thing for $17 on Amazon brand new in the shrink wrap. So knock yourself out. Uh, Moving on. (laughs) <laughs> By the way, Alex Fuller gave it a, a, a 
five. <laughs> so you could just Google up RP Gamers Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix Review and read why he gave it a below average score. Uh, Rune Factory 4 is the next one on the list. This is the one that Scott knows all about. This was developed by a Neverland Company, <laughs> released on the Nintendo 3DS in North America on October 1st, 2013, a single-player simulation RPG farming experience. Uh, Scott would know about this vicariously. Vicariously, this, yeah. This is the good one of the Rune Factories. Hmm. You rune and you factor. Um... I think I know who would have done the review for our site on this title. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Rune Factory, we, we talked a little bit before, but, I mean, that's the series of games that are the Harvest Moon with some Zelda-like combat, though I hesitate to use that uh, correlation since, you know, Zelda is super awesome, smooth, action-y. And uh, Rune Factory... Uh, now, Zelda is mostly about patience. Wait, no, that's 3Ds. Um, but uh, yeah check out uh, Sam's review at rpgamer.com she gave it a 3 out of 5 in average score she loved the cast of characters top notch localization she feels that the shortcut system was a big improvement over previous iterations however the combat as I alluded to before is a bit on the stiff and stale side Uh, the game starts off strong but ends off weak and the pacing is all over the place so um yeah, yeah. If if you're a super hard Rune Factory fan, knock yourself out. Um, you know who you are. The rest of us will be playing a Zelda game. It is going for $42 on Amazon. Hey. Yeah, it's still kind of up there. Uh, boy, those DS games, some of those. Wait, that's a, that's a 3DS game, isn't it? 3DS, my bad. You're right. Yeah, it's an XC title, so probably not much of a print run. Nope, 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 nope. Well, let's uh, move on down the line here. I'm not even sure how this ends up on some of these. Anyways, uh, I, 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 I just don't the list. Uh, Divinity a Dragon Com- is because it's a Divinity game. Divinity Dragon Commander, developed by Larian Studios, published by the same. This is a, a Microsoft Windows game released on August 6, 2013. And it is a, and I've got to take a big breath for this one, real-time, turn-based, third-person shooter, political simulation strategy, single multiplayer experience, and I can only guess since it's on RPGamer.com, there's also some RPG elements in there somewhere. There's everything in this game but the kitchen sink, I kid you not. And, um... Uh, this is uh, this is one of those uh, GOG releases as well. Um, and forty five dollars. Wait for a sale. Uh, it it uh, is don't even. Yeah, don't. It, it, it's it, it got you know what happens when you try to do like eighteen different things uh, in a single game. It's a menagerie that that all the moving pieces don't quite work so well. It's got some some perks, kind of like flying around the. Dra- At one point, you can fly around um, during the battle sections uh, on your drag or as your dragon, and he's got a jetpack, and and that's kind of cool for a few minutes, and then you're done with it. And it's out of your system. So contrary to popular belief, putting every possible ingredient into a dish does not necessarily make it taste better than everything else. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's... that's not how you make chili. <laughs> oh man, I've been doing it wrong. Well, maybe you've. Maybe you have a li- more limited selection of ingredients. I, I don't see how putting, say, fudge, caramel, uh, jalapenos, ghost peppers, and let's just throw some garlic and some liver in there for starters. Let's see how that tastes in your chili. Mm. You know, um, and, and I'm the first person I do enjoy 
some of the amalgorations that we've uh, experienced in the past, like uh, Ogre Battle. Yeah, there we go. RPG, kind of real-time strategy at the same time. Or uh, I like uh, some of the other games that don't quite get super great reviews, like Warlords Battlecry, which has got some... It does have RPG, turn-based, and um, uh, real-time in it. It's got all three, really. But at the end of the day, I'll also tell you, none of those games, while I, I enjoy them, none of them are really super awesome. And I get it out of my system. I move on to games that focus uh i i would say if you're interested buy it when it's on like super gog sale do not pay 45 dollars for this please people just don't um okay whew. all right let's uh move on we got one more here on the list uh which i know that uh that that scott can't wait to discuss this is shadow one returns developed by Hairbrain schemes and uh, this was released on microsoft windows july 25th 2013 on the Apple Store and Android, September 26, 2013, on, on Linux, October 30th, 2013. This is a tactical single-player RPG experienced a, a little bit more focused here. And, uh, Scott, you love this game, right? Hate. Come on, Scott. Let me Shadowrun. tell you Shadowrun, about man. hate. It looks like the 1993 Shadowrun for the SNES, My just higher resolution. is composed of 3.4 million billion cells pressed wafer thin against each other. <laughs> if the word hate were inscribed upon each nano angstrom of each of those cells, it would not be enough to describe what I feel for Shadowrun in this instant. <laughs> hate. It's got, like, elves in the future. I mean, how awesome is that? Did you just say elves in the future? Elves, elves, like oh. little pointed ear things, right? I swear I saw one. I definitely saw an orb. Yeah, I, I can tell that concept right there. That's what is going to turn Scott around, right? Yeah, yeah, right? It, I mean, isn't that what Warhammer does? For, for, it's cool, it's hip. Okay, so uh, Shadow Shadowrun Returns is... Uh, I, I helped Kickstarter this. And uh, I did play it when it came out, and it it, it does uh, attempt to a degree to kind of recreate a, a good tabletop uh, experience. I, I'm not familiar with the Shadowrun pen and paper. Um, I only played some of the Genesis way back in the day, and, and that that's so far back on my memory I, I couldn't even compare the two. Uh, other than to say they look similar. Um, but uh, Shadowrun Returns is – it's pretty – pretty decent uh, as far as tactical rpgs goes uh it, it has it has you know a lot of text to read well not too much because it's kind of a short game but it has a lot of text to read it's got story it's got puzzles it's got combat but my takeaway from the probably half a dozen or so hours i did not get, get through it all the way I, I saw other more sparkly things to play but, but you my, said it was a short game I know, and I still didn't get through it, huh? And that's my whole point, is like, it didn't get its hooks in me, because it seemed like to me, anyways, that each of those elements were a bit on the shallow side. Like, the tactical combat wasn't as deep as, let's say, you know, XCOM Enemy Unknown, or some of the other good SRPGs you and I have discussed in the past. Uh, the, um, the, the, the story... Uh, you know, also just felt like it was okay. It was good. Was actually, maybe something I might made up at a at a tabletop, but without the camaraderie of other friends there to make it funny, it, it wasn't deep enough in and of itself or engaging enough to just want to keep me glued to my seat. With that said, 
This has been a good game for me to recommend to some of my friends who are not into deeper RPGs, who uh, or new, uh, maybe not brand new to the experience, but don't get a lot of time to play RPGs uh, or don't have, uh, you know, a lot of, or you know, would be turned off by, let's say, Baldur's Gate or Fire, you know, Hardcore Fire Emblem. Um, uh, I've had some friends that I've I've recommended this to absolutely get hooked on this, and it's usually the more casual players uh, because it is a lighter experience. But for me. I, I just felt it was a little on the shallow side. Now, they've since released, uh, I think there was an expansion. Uh, there's Hong Kong that just came out. I have not experienced those. Uh, I know that they heard a lot of the critiques from uh, some of the hard, hardcore RP gamers, and I'm presuming that those expansions hopefully address some of those issues. But um, uh, I, we're just talking about the core game here, and in the core game in and of itself, when it came out, my impression was good, but but not great and 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 definitely geared towards a newer um rp gamer maybe your friend who enjoyed point and click adventures and needs that gateway game into something a little deeper so that that that's my thoughts uh if i i don't think we have a an rp gamer review on it but i think you know a three 3.5 or in scott's case a 1.0 would be appropriate negative three <laughs> negative three <laughs> I, that, that's the thing, right? What's the thing that we don't do negatives? Yeah, we should. We should. Well, we, we can't should. do official negatives, but, but you can always go in there and rewrite the code a little bit and come up with your own new rating. Generate. I can generate that image file. I will do it. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't, wouldn't be too hard. All right. Well, that's our blast from the recent past segment. Uh, we're going to take another little break, and we'll come back and wrap this up with the final lap. have returned this is the final app where we read your comments tell you what's going on kitchen sink kind of stuff last episode with number 151 darkness in the soul we talked about dark souls um we have a we few did indeed. we did indeed we have a, a couple of uh comments uh do you, you have those pulled up one no? sec that's okay. I got him pulled up. I just didn't know. Uh, Boudet. Well, I, th- I thought I did, but then it decided. Like, to. I, I got. I got. Dis- I got distracted by pretty shiny that stuff. That, that system. That system shock news. <laughs> I know, right? Pretty shiny system. System shock news. I. I tell you, we'll, we'll, we'll jump back to GOG in just a second, but we'll, we'll get the comments out of the way. I, I get sidetracked easily. Um, so, do you want to read what Boudet said? 
I almost kind of want to get that. I have the PS3 version, but Blight Town is my favorite part of the game, which is one of the more sluggish parts. Boudet is also on a literal backtrack, listening to the old ones, but apparently the new ones always come first. And he's about to start episode 98. Was that? that was somewhere around the time we were doing the, the Final Fantasy VII compendium, I think. Or, or Valkyria Chronicles, maybe. While I grind a bit in Dragon Quest before the final boss. Uh, and of course, he didn't specify which Dragon Quest, which uh, would make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it, and 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 depending on which Dragon Quest, see, I can't since we didn't mention which Dragon Quest, I can't tell you whether I agree or not. I agree with you loving it, because uh, as you know from listening to this, I'm very opinionated about my Dragon Quest games. Uh, Mr. Max Storm says he wants to listen just to hear if Mr. Minky actually played Dark Souls on the PC or not. <laughs> I didn't get that far, but I did play some. Hey, hey, you know the, the 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 spirit was willing, but the CPU was weak. It's true. <laughs> I don't uh, have a pro- I don't have a problem playing System Shock or System Shock Two. My machine is able to handle those. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. By the way, boys and girls, uh, just for yeah, there is a there is a couple of websites dedicated to back in the day. Anyways, a few years ago, they're probably still up. Uh, but it was about uh, back when we used to have netbooks. You know, those were the very smaller, you know, type of laptops before tablets really kind of took over that niche. And there were websites dedicated to here's the list of games that you can play. On the netbooks, and a lot of them would be these GOG, you know, type of games. So even if you, you know, have something that's low powered, uh, this would these guys would provide you a comprehensive list of GOG games, Steam games, and the such that would work on just about any platform or any computer. Uh, anyways, uh, want to read what Victor says? <clears throat> I love your shows about games that I will never play. I get your vicarious RPG experience without having to suffer one gruesome video game death after another. Oh, Victor. Jeez, man, it's like you never played, I don't know, uh, any any given platformer of the NES or 16-bit era. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all the horrifying details of your masochistic suffering when Bloodborne is eventually featured on the backtrack. Uh, yeah, that'll happen someday. Uh, of course, we have Dark Souls 2 to get through before that. Mm-mm-mm. I think Mr. Apps alone can sustain an entire show on that. Mm-hmm. Victor also surrendered to the correct collector's craving long enough to purchase a Luigi Amiibo. He has promised himself that he will not buy another Amiibo unless this one is actually used in the game. I do not have Amiibos. I am not qualified to judge that at all. Mm-mm. Um, no, no, but I will share a couple things from a collector's perspective, but it has nothing to do with Amiibos uh, in just a moment. Uh, so piggybacking on... Um, piggybacking on something. We mentioned GOG uh, Earl just a moment ago. Well, we've been mentioning all the show because they have the System Shock Enhanced Edition. But not only that, uh, I mentioned, I think, last show, the show before, how they had released a number of uh, D&D, the Gold Box games and the such, right? But yeah, and then you mentioned something on Twitter that you seem to take great joy in. Joy! directly to me, as if I wanted to get it immediately off GOG. What was it, Phil? Do you remember what it could have been? Oh, I do, I do, I do, I do. D&D Stronghold Kingdom Simulator. So GOG just continues to, to 
to grab more of these uh, D&D licensed games and put them up there. Stronghold, uh, Strongholds, <laughs> D&D Stronghold Kingdom Simulator, and I almost have to say the whole title because if you just call it Stronghold, there is a there is already another small series of games called Stronghold, which are also uh, kingdom building simulator games, uh, kind of tower defense deals uh, that are on the PC, which I love very much, but it's a whole different subject. D&D Stronghold Kingdom Simulator, you're actually going to build an entire town similar to like a Settlers, um, but uh, each your town has actually got a number of different uh, sections to it, and I'm going off of like a decade-old memory here, so I might get some of the details messed up. But um, you would pick you pick a leader for each section, and the leaders are based off of classic first edition classes. Like you'll have Zoltan, the dwarf, in charge of the dwarven sector, and you'll have uh, Falka, the fighter, or Samrut, the elf. Which the elves uh, in D anD D first edition were basically your mages or your mage fighters, and and they'll uh, they they lead their sections of your town in a settlers like style. You'll direct them to build certain buildings which will confer benefits and and eventually start equipping troops and you're going to want to do that because your growing thriving settlement will uh, eventually come under siege by surrounding first edition <laughs> monsters dungeon dragons monsters everything from giant ants to i don't think i don't know if i ran into any beholders but uh hydra trolls uh, you know anything's just up for game now if you can get a standing army together you can actually send them out and and i don't remember exactly how it works i want to say it works a little bit like that one game oh it's escaping my head majesty if you ever play Majesty, you know that you don't really control directly the troops in your town. Instead, what you do is you put an incentive on the map. Like, you can put a reward on the monster layer, and eventually they'll make their way out there. They'll, like, lure to it, and they'll fight the monsters and hopefully survive, and they'll get the gold for doing so that you put out there. I don't remember exactly in D&D Stronghold how I controlled <laughs> the soldiers. I can't remember if it was that style or, or it was more of a direct control style. But, uh, it, you know, speaking of putting different elements together, I mean, you've got some RPG elements. Elements, D&D rules underneath the hood. You actually eventually will build Mage's Guild that will equip them with Rings of Protection plus one straight from the, the rule books. Um, and and so real-time, uh, RPG, and it's kind of all thrown together. It, it is not going to win Game of the Year award, but it was something that I played the hell of hell out of back in the day. And if, if, you, if you really are old-school pen and paper person... And remember the first edition rules? Uh, this is five ninety nine on GOG. It's almost worth picking up just to fart around and go, oh, this is what happened at first edition rules. Uh, you know, met Majesty or, or uh, Settlers or whatever and how that might, uh, how that might look. So uh, you can see that on GOG. Boy, I, I'm expecting to see Spelljammer on here any day or a few of uh, the other games that we haven't got yet, but they just they just continue to whip those out. They've also released uh, Al-Kadim, The Genie's Curse, which was an action-y RPG uh, that was also based on the D&D rules somewhat. Uh, it uses the license. Have you played that one? I have not. No. So I, I know a oh. lot... A lot of people would like Heroes it as well. Land, would Heroes of the Lance qualify as something we could talk about on the backtrack? Oh, yeah, yeah, because uh, that was also based on D&D rules. It's more of an action-y game, but it, it, it does have the statistics and the D&D rules underneath the helm and rotating, if this is the one I'm thinking of, you rotate out the party members and the such, uh, and it's straight from the books, um, the D&D fantasy books. 
So That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the screen. It's the game I remember. Yeah, that one came out on the PC and on the Nintendo. Yeah, the NES version is just well. Oh my gosh, it's. I mean, they're both wretched games. I, I could even recommend like Stronghold. I'll tell you, there's a learning curve involved. Make sure you read the instructions. But if you take the time to get to to, to understand the rules, it's it's a playable, enjoyable experience. Um, but this game wasn't playable. And I'm looking through the lens of time. Um, I am looking with ruby-colored glasses or lens, co- whatever, stain-colored. Anyways, but Heroes of the Lance was not even, even fun even back with, then. Yes, even yeah. with the power of nostalgia. No, it's not, it wasn't it, No, no, it was... It, no, it's horrid, horrid. But if we're gonna do a backtrack, I'll save my, uh, I'll save the details, the painful details. You know, I think we can sustain multiple backtracks out of just D and D games from the eighties. No, oh, oh gosh, yes. But uh, yeah, oh my gosh, the horrid memories. <laughs> Anywho, uh, what else are we gonna talk what? about today? No, there was something else you wanted to alert me of that GOG had something that involved artwork that you find questionable, and I do too, put into a setting of uh, multiple generations. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> and you definitely need to play one of these, Phil, because you, you're clearly missing out. Oh, jeez. You, <laughs> you and your graphics. It's, 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 you know, I was sharing with you, Mike. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it was on sale or something, and and I know you want to keep up with that stuff, and uh, you know, I was just sharing. That's all. Well, thanks, Phil. Um, the next time I see a sale on Cross Edge, I'll alert you. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure this one's a good. You know, it's the PC ver. I'm sure it's. You know, there's, there's. You know, it's, it's. It, they, they've made some improvements. And definitely, when I see a sale on From the Abyss, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, so what else is going on, Mike? Well, okay. I watched the 78 Lord of the Rings. Oh, the cartoon. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I, and I say that hesitantly because it was supposed to be rotoscope, which means drawing over live action. Mm-hmm. And in some scenes it is. In some scenes, you can tell clearly these were live actors who had animation put over them. And in other scenes, it's not obvious. Mm-hmm. It's not obvious at all. It's almost as if the budget ran out and they couldn't finish or come any <laughs> close. Because that's what happened. Yeah. No, I mean, some of the... No, you're right. I mean, I, I remember that, that movie quite, quite clearly. And some of the animation in it is absolutely wonderfully done. But, yeah, you could definitely tell that that quality was not consistent throughout the entire film. And you can also see the animation is very, very questionable in certain regards, such as, um, let's take how Sam looks. Remember Sam? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would not use this word if it were not completely appropriate to the drawing style of this movie, but remember how Sam looks like a functional retard? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's never how I pictured Sam. And, um, I'm not alone here. Also, remember how Aragorn always looked as if he was st- straight out of the Prince Valiant Sunday comics and doesn't apparently wear any pants? You know, he's just wearing a tunic that covers his waist and he's wearing boots, but you can clearly see his thighs. They're the same shade as his arms, which means that he's not wearing anything there. I don't have to look too hard into this to find it out. 
Also, remember how the elves... Well, Legolas in particular just looks horrid. He looks cross-eyed. And Galadriel looks like she stepped off the cast of Super Friends. And also, remember Saruman the White? That, mm-hmm. that rings a bell, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, Saruman the White would wear red. That just stands to reason. Hmm. I, As I watched it, I just couldn't help but look at it with kind of a, a gl- my jaw open a lot at the spectacularly bad decisions being made constantly. Uh, yeah, it it was never finished because this was not a hit at the time, and I can't say that was unjustified. But no, you wanted to know about games. Okay. Um, well, aside from System Shock and System Shock 2, I should be finished with System Shock 2 soon. Let's see. Upon noticing that we didn't have a review for Etrian Untold 2 yet, I've been playing a good chunk of that, and now I see that Adrian finally finished it, so we will probably have a review of that shortly, but if you liked Untold 1, you'll probably like Untold 2. Kale? There, that's my that's my really, really short <laughs> review. The abbreviated version. Yeah, I mean, if you want the lengthier version, I don't understand why we have a restaurant minigame now where we get to bring in ingredients and try to advertise to people in the town to make some extra money, but okay, that's different. Grown. And what else is new? Mm, there are a few new icons, and I think, yeah, mo- mostly it's the same Etrian Odyssey. You no, know. you get to map. Mapping is fun. And I must tell you about this experience I had just three nights ago. Yes, three nights ago. A relative asked me about my latest video game experiences, and I just had to unload on her about Chaos Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and. She she was curious. She needed to see a sample of the voice acting. And she found uh. it chaotically bad. She couldn't stop. Because it is truly astounding how each char- each actor manages to be bad in a different way. There's no generic bad here. One girl sounds A, like she's 15 years older than the character on screen, and B, like she's drunk. One guy sounds like he just huffed a bunch of glue. One guy sounds like he's impatient for pizza to come. Another guy sounds like... He just got smacked a bunch in the face and is trying to read his lines that way. It's astounding. Oh, and of course, Yuri. Our, our old friend Yuri from Shadow Hearts. You remember Shadow Hearts, Phil? Oh, yeah. I played, uh, oh, yeah, I played through all of them. Yeah, you, you definitely remember that the voice actors were uniformly terrible, right? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you ask me seriously. I, I, I thought it was okay. Like, I'm not, uh, I'll tell you, I'm like the worst. Here's the funny thing. When it comes to voice acting and stuff, I I really don't doesn't bother me if it's good or if it's super bad or, or whatever. But 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 with that being said, on the game that you're talking, what was the game you were talking about again? Cro- cro- not Cross Edge. Chaos See now Wars. you got sorry you got Cross Edge Chaos in my head. Wars. Chaos Wars is so bad, so so horridly bad that even I notice how bad that game is. But uh, most other games I don't ever notice if it has like people say um oh the Wii, the one game on the Wii. Um, Arc, uh, fa- fa- um, Fantasia, uh, something. Oh, Arc Rise Fantasia. Arc Rise Fantasia. People hate almost universally hate the voice acting in that game. It doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, if there's an option to turn it off, and there very well maybe, I-, I don't. I don't ever turn it off. I-, I I like it. I mean, I don't love it, but but it to me any voice acting enhances the game. But in that game, chaos. Oh no no no, boys and girls. Just if, you, if there's any inkling of a doubt, just just go and look that crap up on YouTube. There's a lot of it. There are many samples so that you can get a good, nice understanding of what it's all about. But I am being serious when I say that it is hypnotically bad. 
I don't understand what was going through my relative's mind, but she just couldn't get enough. She she stood there, slack-jawed, laughing at it, because it is that bad. And that if Rift Tracks did video games, this would be an, an immediate candidate. Uh, and as for the game itself, um, you know, I kind of put it on hold because uh, Etrian 2 and System Shock. Where was I last? Yes, I had come to a point where I needed to talk to a specific character in order to generate the next mission. And, oh, you'll love this. Oh, you'll love this. The characters who appear in the lounge area between missions, they're random. If you don't have the character you need to speak to, you have to go out there, do something, and come back to see if the random person you need is right there. Nice. I know. You'd love th- you'd love oh. this mechanic. This is one of your favorites. Sounds awesome. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, and here's an even better one. I know you'll love this because it's so awesome. Yeah. Phil, hmm. tactical game, right? Mm-hmm. Tactical game where you don't have any straight attack options. Instead, you have a variety of skills that you Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, how's this for a great idea? What if, unless you lock down that skill outside of battle, there's a chance that it could randomly change to something else while you're fighting? Ooh, that sounds that sounds like variety. Doesn't it? That yeah, that sounds like it would keep your game fresh. Exactly. See, so what if the new thing has a different range and thus screws up your entire plan? You know what? You have to think on the fly now. Mm-hmm. That's what strategy games are all about. Yes, they are. Oh, idea factory, you thing. You are a definite thing. <laughs> Uh. Anyway, um, is that it? I think that's it I'm, for what I've been playing. Well, uh, I have to say my selection of video is not quite as... What's the word I'm looking for here? It's not quite as um, refined as as your taste. Uh, I've been watching a lot of WWE wrestling. Never got into wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't exactly ask me why I do. I just do. Um, I, I have a friend who got into it. I just never quite did. Yeah, I mean, I, might, I might have something to do with the cable channels I had access to growing up. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, you know, sometimes my old man would take us out. Uh, we would go and watch a show, and back then you didn't know if it was real or not. Um, I'm more fascinated with it now, not only as uh, for some of the entertainment that it provides uh, and the fact that it's trying to tell a story on a live, you know, in front of a live audience in real time where mistakes get made and stuff, but uh, also as a, as a study into just American culture as you go through that, you know, they, they, they separate re- wrestling into different eras. And it's uh, and since wrestling is trying to cater to an audience that imperfectly reflects the, you know, the, the people of America at the time. So that's pretty cool. Mm, like that. Let's see. I've been doing more Diablo 3. I just do like a little bit of a lot of these games each day. And Diablo 3, with the way the loots drop in that game, I swear it like it's almost like, um, you know, World of Warcraft. For the, ca- for the hardcore player, you can sit there and play, you know, hours and hours and you would slowly level up. But if you're a more casual player and you only log in once a day or every other day, your character would accrue what's called rest XP. And then when you got onto your character and you went out, you'd earn experience faster while that rested XP was in effect. And you'd basically be earning double experience 
um, until you used it all up. And that would put some wind behind your sail so that y- you could stay caught up a little bit easier with some of your more hardcore friends. It seems like a Diablo, there's almost, I swear there's a similar mechanic because I wasn't on it for a few days. Jumped on for like 30 minutes, did a couple of riffs, and I found like five legendaries and three set pieces. And now my character's all glowing with fancy colors and just kicking butt in Torment level five. So... Uh, it, very interesting. I, it's just it's just kind of funny because um, when we were playing hardcore, as I mentioned before, with the season four started, um, we played all weekend and got our characters up to seventy, and then it, we would get a legendary piece maybe once, twice an hour if we were lucky. Now now it's like, but if you stay logged off for a few days and you come back, they want you to know that they missed you while you were gone. So suddenly you get five pieces within the first thirty minutes. So I think that's hilarious. Well, it's uh, nice to be wanted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of makes you. It kind of makes you feel like, welcome back. We missed you. Uh, especially since you know, once you hit max level, that's your primary method of basically, quote unquote, leveling up the characters, gearing them up like that. Um, I'm now easily twice as powerful as I was when I first hit uh, level seventy. And the different gear pieces can definitely change the flavor of your character. The set piece, the set pieces I have for my witch doctor, give me a lot of extra bonus when I'm using certain skills. So it kind of pushes me in a certain direction and a certain build with that character to get the most out of them. So playing some Heroes of the Storm every day, you get daily quests in that one for gold. So I'm slowly earning up some gold in that one. Uh, play some more Codename Steam. Hit some difficulty spikes, which I believe some people have talked about in, in their reviews. It's a little frustrating because usually when I'm playing my 3DS, I'm kind of tired and irritable. So running into a mission that's trying to force me to think a different way or I will die uh, over and over again is a little makes me a little cranky. It was like the third or fourth set of missions, and what uh, this is one this is one that this is some of that artificial crap that that ticks me off in Valkyria Chronicles and why I'm one of the few people that don't think. Well, I think Valkyrie Chronicles is a good game. I don't think it's like the second. I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) Right, because it uses arbitrary mechanics in order to induce artificial difficulty. Because, you know, if if a game, and and especially Valkyrie Chronicles, I think at its heart, while the, the, the game itself has a lot of style, I don't think it has a lot of sustenance as a tactical whatever it is underneath the hood. Codename Steam, which plays a lot like XCOM, should have all the power underneath the hood to just be a... Uh, a really good tactical experience but it still does some of this arbitrary crap so in this one map I was on um, you gotta you know you gotta go around and save these survivors that are spread out all over the map and because it is kind of like XCOM but the camera's in third person view perspective behind your heroes you really have to run around and look for these people it isn't like isometric like XCOM where you can easily see where your victims are at unless there's a fog of war um here, the fog of war, so to speak, is really the perspective of your characters, which for the most part, I like that mechanic. But think about this. Just like XCOM, you're you're going forth slowly. Now, there are some missions in XCOM Enemy Unknown where they make it clear, hey, you've got, you've got to get these people saved quickly. Or they'll even say, hey, you've got six minutes or six rounds or whatever. So now you're kind of forced out of your you, – normally in XCOM Enemy Unknown, you take your time. Because if you rush, you oftentimes get ganked. But in some of those missions, you just know, especially the ones where you have to save people, you know you're going to have to push through to save those people. But but the enemies are out there on the map um, uh, organically. So as you're pushing through an XCOM enemy unknown and you round a corner and there's three enemies around the corner, 
Well, okay, you were going around a blind corner. You knew that it was a possibility there was going to be a ton of enemies, but you push forward anyways because you're trying to save the people. It, it, it follows the logic and the, the premise of what the game has built. In this game here, what happens is I'm going around. I find some enemies here and there. Some of them stun you. And and since it's the first time I'm facing this, uh, a mechanic or enemies that just – that their whole purpose in life is to stun you. And it basically kills off your Overwatch mechanic um, and sets you up for extra damage, which you got to spend turns healing the next round. Um, so my progress was slower than normal. Not On top of that, you're not only searching for survivors, but part of the codename Steam mechanic is you're also looking for hidden um, they're like bolts or something like that, that you want to collect them all in order to unlock new weapons and backpacks. Okay, so you're really taking your time on this. Well, uh, around round 14 or so, suddenly extra enemies start springing up all around the map, all around you. I mean, they, they essentially surround you. Now, that's the Valkyrie Chronicles mechanic that I hate, where an enemy just completely pops up, just like, it's like the Dungeon Master in a Pathfinder or Dungeon Dragons game just took a monster and just slammed it on the board right behind you. And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't see him running up from yards away or anything like that? Nope, he just teleported in behind you, just magic. Well, magic explains everything. But in code, <laughs> and, and so, okay, I'm ambushed, one of my guys goes down, um... Uh, you know, so I, I fight my way, I fight my way, I fight my way through them. But now every round, it's pumping more and more monsters in, in those same spots. For every one I kill, it pops in another one. And this goes on round after round after round. And I'm wondering if they're ever going to run out of monsters. It doesn't. It doesn't. So eventually, I'm either going to get bored or my party's going to get overwhelmed by the sheer forces, um, whatever. And, and I spent most half an hour to 45 minutes just plugging my round after round, thinking that I could fight my way through it and make it to the last few survivals because I've already invested 30 minutes in the board. No, couldn't do it. Just could, There were just too many of them. If I didn't stay focused on fighting them off and healing and I broke one character off even to go search for the rest of the survivors – it was too much for the remaining characters to, to bear on their own. Or that one person who peeled off to go find the survivors would get overwhelmed. But I couldn't push forward as a group. It was just very, very frustrating. So I'd have to reset it. And, you know, realizing that there is this artificial time limit that the game's going to impose on you, try to push through. <laughs> yeah, try to push through a little faster um, next time. Eventually, I, I got it. But I just felt like, you know what? Why couldn't they just say at the beginning... Okay, heroes, you've got exactly 13 rounds to survive, you know, uh, to finish off all the survivors before the big bad boss comes and kicks all your asses or, you know, we get flooded. We see them coming on the horizon. You know, give the player some sort of warning. There is there is one pop-up hint halfway through the map. They have these television screens um, that are floating in the air that if you touch them, they'll give you back some of your action points and gives you a hint. And one of them says, one of them says, Generally speaking, you don't want to take your time. You want to keep things moving because enemy reinforcements <laughs> can show up. I, okay. All right. I get it. it, it sometimes enemy reinforcements – and this is – I mean there are there were previous maps where enemy reinforcements did show up. Uh, but not like this where it was every single round. It was almost half a dozen monsters and everyone I kill off to replace them so that there was always an extra six to eight extra monsters. So I, I got pretty frustrated at, at that map. I eventually made it past that. The next board wasn't too hard. But then the board after that, um, it, it's just it, it was just kind of punishing. It, it started to feel like the game just wants me to die. And it, it, I mean, granted, it's I guess that's the whole point of XCOM games. The enemies really do want you to die. But it was just, it, 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 yeah, 
I, I kind of agree with some of the reviewers as far as the the on one hand it's presenting this lighthearted adventure with these bigger than life characters like the lion from the wizard of oz and mark henry and stuff and they're they're really Wait, over the top john henry john henry sorry john yeah. henry and stuff. mark henry's the wrestler i get them mixed up <laughs> uh, too much wwe uh, so the lighthearted flavor of the story, Abraham Lincoln's your leader. He drives, uh, they, they drive a big blimp that turns into a big, huge robot like Power Rangers. Uh, this is all really funny, but then you get into these battles and, and some of them make uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown look like a walk through the park. So uh, pr- pretty funny stuff. Uh, I did put too much more time into Skid D2. I just haven't had a lot of console time. Uh, and if you've been following my Twitter, you know I've been putting in some, t- some time into Hearthstone. And sometimes getting well, very frustrated that, at it. I know <laughs> that your console time is going toward Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, I know, right? I haven't had a whole lot of console. That, you just have to because we are going to talk about it. We are going to talk about it before the end of the year, and we, after you finished six, I know you're raring to go with seven because you want four. What's, what's that, Mike? I, 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 can't, I can't hear you. You're, 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 you're breaking up. Wow, it sounded like a wire came loose and was getting right into the audio feed. I know, right? Weird, huh? Happened right when you were talking about that, whatever that game was, Dragon something, Levin? I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, you, you, you totally want Dra- Dragon Quest Eight. That's what you're going to play, right? Yeah, there you go. So, but uh, and then other than that, just plugging away a lot of Hearthstone. It's a little bit easier to play that one, too, since it's on the iPad. Um, you can play that anywhere. And sometimes getting frustrated with the whole uh, Rita thing. Mike, Mike uh, apps tries to talk me through some stuff, and then, but I got into a little bit of a tweeter tweeter war with them because I w- so in arena runs, it's kind of like the sealed deck tournaments in the stores. You pay a couple of bucks or you pay 150 coins, and then they give you sets of cards at random, and you build a deck out of those sets of cards, and then you go and play against other people who pretty much have done the same thing. There's a big uh, RNG factor to this. It, it's quite possible just to get a bunch of really bad options, and and then you just kind of do the best you can with the deck that you're you're, you're given. Um, other times you might be given really great choices and really great uh, combination of cards, and be able to go and rack up some really good wins based on how well you do. The game uh, rewards you, even if you completely lose, because once you've lost three games, your tournament run is over. And if you if you lose all three, it still gives you uh, an extra pack of cards, so you're coins is not are not completely wasted uh but even if you win a few it gives you some extra uh, coins back or some arcane dust which is used to create cards um or even the occasional extra pack depending on how well you do uh anyways um so mr apps and i got into a little bit of a war because uh on twitter because i was very proud that i actually got five wins on a run which was like a high score for me he asked to see the deck I did it with, so I screen printed it for him. And the only thing he could focus on was, in the number one slot, was uh, a target dummy, which is a 0-2 taunting card. A very, very, very weak, weak card. And uh, so all he could focus on was how weak that card was and how silly was I. Anything else I could have chosen as an option they would have provided me would have been better than that card. I'm like, dude. Like that is yeah. When you got that, when I got that option, the other options were were pretty darn weak. They were like one one cards, one two cards with penalties, things like that. So it was not you know there was twenty nine other cards in there that I chose that were pretty decent, and and the deck took me to a new high score, and I'm proud of that. And all he kept doing was beating me up for the target dummy. So yeah, so I don't share my decks with him anymore. I, 
I sense that Mr. Raps may take this a bit too seriously. He he does. I mean, he's he's he, he gave me some really good advice that helped uh, kind of get me on the way. But it is it is uh, it is starting to remind me a little bit of like League of Legends as far as. You know, when in League of Legends and some of those other competitive games, if you join those games too late, you're so far behind the curve that it's hard to really join them competitively at this point. Like, if you get into League of Legends now as a new player, good luck. Um, of course, it doesn't help that the environment there is just very uh, caustic. Uh, in in Hearthstone, people can't really talk directly to you who aren't your friends, so you don't have to worry about people telling you off or calling you stupid. But if you try to go into ranked play as a new player, you'll absolutely get decimated. Uh, but rank play is where the rewards are at. Like if you get up to rank 20, which only takes a few wins, but if every month you'll unlock a new card back. Um, if you win 500 games in a certain class in ranked mode, you get a golden character. Uh, so a lot of the incentives are tied into – well, not a lot, but there's a number of incentives tied into that particular mode. And arena apparently, which is – I kind of like that because it has a little bit of gambling effect to it. And I feel there's some – equalization going on there since the other players are forced to play with random decks and uh, so your wisdom and your experience absolutely comes into play but not necessarily the fact that you have the most awesome card collection in the world and you put a thousand dollars into the game that's not going to matter in a random draft so i feel like arena would be a better place for a new player at least if they would learn if they can take the time and put in the time to to get up to speed a little bit, watch some videos, that sort of things. That's what I'm trying to do. But it is tough. It is very, very tough. You can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Of course, now Apps has been playing World of Warcraft, which, you know, when I'm on Hearthstone, I see my friends and what other Blizzard games they're playing. So I see Apps jumping back into WoW, and I saw him tweet the other day that he got his character up to uh, level 100. So, go Apps. Yep. But uh, yeah, if you are if you're playing any of those Blizzard games and you ever want to join me sometime, feel free to add me as a friend. I'm JC Servant number sixteen seventeen. That's a pound sign there. JC Servant pound sign sixteen seventeen is the uh, is the friend universal friend whatever for Battle.net. Ha! Huh. Alrighty. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Oh, we haven't talked about our next show. What's our next show? I believe it's Demon Seed. Yep, we are dealing with a couple of. Well, one of them is a re-release of a 90s title, but the other is the recent... We're getting with the 3DS for a couple of SMT things. Mm-mm-mm. So, uh, you'll want to be around for that one. Um, in the meantime, I will remind you that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. your home for news, reviews, and home to the best RPG gaming community on the net. RP gaming... Anyways... <laughs> So you can check all of our articles and reviews out over at rpgamer.com. You can join in our forums. We've got a big old link over there on the side. And you can chit-chat about RPGs until the cows come home. We'd love to chit-chat with you. Uh, you are also uh, welcome to leave us feedback on our shows. We love to hear. Just uh, Even if you're talking about an old show, just jump on the thread with the, with the newest show number on it because that's what we're all really kind of paying attention to. We'd love to hear what you have to say. You can leave us some reviews on iTunes as long as they're five stars or higher. And link to them on the site so that we can find them. iTunes can be very obtuse for people who don't use it every day. Yeah, it is a little, uh, little evil. Hmm. And uh, let me see if I'm forgetting anything. Oh, yeah, you can listen to all of our sister shows, all 13 of them, over at the uh, – I swear it seems like they're growing every day uh, – over at rpgamer.com. If, if there's a podcast to be done about role-playing games in any way, shape, or form, we've, we've got a cast to cover, whether it's news, topical, answering your questions – 
Uh, it's it's all there. It's, it's it's just crazy, crazy. I tell you, crazy. And yeah, shoot. So, oh, uh, Mr. Mike, you know, want some final words? Hmm. Well, they would involve making sure that you shoot every camera you see because it will report you to things that you don't want to know your location. But if I do that, then you know we're probably going to attract some unpleasant government supervision, and uh, we make it in some big trouble because uh, if you shoot certain cameras that's against the law or something I don't know where the goofy regulations come from Good night.